be done in our life. Can I get an amen? Amen. So I, I, I just want to share my heart for just a few moments of what God has been kind of dealing with me on and why I'm preaching on fellowship this morning. And you have to bear with me because it is really warm up here. Matter of fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of this. Over the last few weeks, as we've been gearing up for some things that are getting ready to happen when it comes to outreach and things, I've really been digging deep in prayer with God and asking him how these things are really going to come to fruition and how, how the church is going to be able to handle the things that, are, that, that, that God has prophesied that are going to come in. And here's, here's what he began to speak into my heart. He, he began to speak this. And, I, and I'm going to liken it as, as into a hospital. Okay, because the, the, pro, the prophetic word that has come over Elevate Faith is that we are, we are going to be a, a hospital for broken and, and hurting people. That we are going to be a, a church that is going to be able to heal those that are brokenhearted. Heal those that are, that are lame and that are sick. Heal those that are, that, that are addicted to drugs and alcohol. Heal those that are uh, addicted to, to many, many different things. And, and that's what God has said that this church is, is to be. But... One thing that has to happen, and just like in, in, in any hospital, one thing that has to happen is if, if somebody who has an ailment, or, or, or let, let's just, let's just uh, pretend a little bit here, and someone comes in with a major trauma into, into an emergency room, that emergency room has to be a well-oiled, moving, working machine. Am, am, I, am I not right? It has to be a well-oiled machine. You've got to have CNAs. You've got to have nurses. You've got to have doctors. You've got to have surgeons. You've got to have people that run, uh, that run MRIs and run x-rays and, and uh, people who take blood and take it down to the lab. You've got to have all this thing going on, and that's just like the body of Christ. When, when someone who is broken and undone, when they come into the church, the church has to be a well-oiled operating machine. We can't just come in here and just, just be all scattered about doing our own thing, but we have to be ready to ready to help somebody when that person gets into that er automatically they go right to that they go into a room and immediately they, they begin to be uh, attended to by the cnas and the nurses and then the doctors come in and the doctors order these things and all of a sudden they go out they go out for x-rays or mris and they go here and they go there that's exactly the same thing that needs to happen in the church when someone comes in and they are dying and undone we've got to understand first of all what their ailment is and then we've got to know how to treat their ailment how do we do that we have people who are positioned, people who are primed and ready to take care of the things that come in here. We get somebody that comes in who is an alcoholic that needs to be re- de- delivered. You can't have somebody to try to deliver them that's never, that's never been there before. Because that's, that's why that we have so many alcoholics that get saved and, now, and they turn around and they do ministry. Because we've got to have that. Amen? You've got to be knowledgeable in your craft. And in order to be knowledgeable, you have to have experience in your craft. And that's what, that I, and I'm, I'm going somewhere, so just kind of bear with me for just a moment. But that's, that's, that's what fellowship does in the church, is when we begin to fellowship with one another, our unity grows higher. And when our unity grows higher, then that means we begin to work well with one another. You, I'm telling you, how many of you have ever been in a hospital where they don't work well together? Nothing happens very good. But you get into a hospital that's, a, that's, that's working well, doing great, then, uh, then everything starts going well, right? It's because they have good camaraderie between one another. They can think what the other person is thinking and know what the other person is going to do. I've had nurses sometimes tell me they already knew what the doctor was going to do. They already had it ready, and as soon as he ordered it, they went in. And so th- that's the way we've got to be. We've got to be a well-oiled machine, Go to, go to the book of Hebrews chapter 10 for me. We'll get into the, the uh, so I got quite a bit of scripture for you today, actually, so just um, bear with me here. Hebrews chapter 10, 
verses 24 and 25. It says, and let us consider one another to order, in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Clearly, the Bible says that we are to fellowship. Clearly. Clearly, the Bible says that we are to gather together. I, I, I alluded to this earlier, but I take you back to the, to the disciples in the three and a half years that Jesus was doing his ministry on the earth. The disciples were with them day in and day out. There, there, was, not, there, there was only just a few short times when Jesus was, was by himself. And during that time, I assure you that Jesus wasn't always preaching. And Jesus wasn't always praying. And Jesus wasn't always healing. And Jesus wasn't always setting free. But there were times when they had, had time to, to reflect on one another and to, to build a relationship with one another. And how, how did they do that? I can imagine that, that those disciples and Jesus probably had time to worship together. And that's my first point. My, my first point, what the Lord is speaking, um, is, is we worship together. Go to Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 for me. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. We've got to come in and worship together. That's what worship services were created to do so that we can come in and we could unite our, our, our minds in one mind and one accord and we can worship the same God together. Can I, can I tell you this? You can worship God alone in your own, in your own, uh, in your own atmosphere, but it's, it's just not the same when you get amongst other saints and you, and you get amongst other people who have the same, the same mind as you do. It's, it's just not the same. You know, the, the Bible actually says something about that, about, about uh, not good being alone. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward of their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. It's not good to be alone. Yeah, worship is great on your own, but there's just something about getting into the into the, the church service. It's just something about getting amongst people who believe like you do. Why is it so important? Because there are times in your life when, when things seem like they're going array, and if you don't have that person that you can lean on or have that, that friend that can help you to worship through that or have, have that person that can, that can help you get through that, then all you're going to be is alone, and you're going to start feeling some depression and some things are start going to go on in your life. But we've got to come in and worship together. We've got to be that well-oiled machine. Why, why is it so important that we worship together? It, it's ordained by God. He built the tabernacle. He, he built worship services himself. He didn't want anybody to be alone. Matter of fact, he, does, he didn't want Adam to be alone so, so much so that he created, he created Eve. So that they could walk together. So that they could re, uh, procreate and they could make the world go around. And they could, they could uh, uh, replenish the earth. So we need to worship together. Secondly, we need to love one another. 
I, I, I'm, I'm probably going to meddle a little bit here on this one because th- this is this is kind of one of those things in the church that gets gets really a little bit a little bit difficult because we see all over the United States of America people will leave churches and go to other churches and leave that church and go to another church and leave that church and go to another church and why are those reasons is because the church isn't loving one another the Bible says it gives us commandment that we are to love one another that is a commandment and it's not a request it's not it's not something that we we, we can do on, on when we want to but that's that's what the Bible says now, what happens in the church when people don't love one another is, is, is we, we become a scattered people. You know, uh, the Bible talks about division in the church, the, and that's exactly what happens when we don't love on one another. But when we, when, uh, let me tell you one of the, one of the statistics in the, in the church of why people actually uh, come into a church and stay in a church is not because of how many people shook their hand, but it's because, of the, it's because of the love that the people have for one another. A lot of people will stand back in the back, back seat and watch how many people are shaking hands and hugging next with each other and loving on each other. And I, can I tell you that you can go into a church not knowing who is in that church, stand in the back row, and you can see who has division with one another? Amen? How many, how many have ever seen that? It's evident on people's faces, but when you go into a church and you know without a shadow of a doubt that they love one another, then you know that God is well in that place, and, and, and we have got to love one another. I'm trying to remember what scripture, I think it's John, thir- uh, John thir- uh, 13 and 34 here. It says, a new commandment, this is the commandment I was talking about, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Go to Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. This is the, this is what the Bible says. All this stuff that I am telling you is not stuff that I have drummed up. It's not and it's not anything that, that that I try to will up in my own head. But this is biblical biblical principles that God has given me that we need to do for our worship and for for our fellowship. We need to love one another. It's important that we love one another. If we get people that are coming in off, off the street and we can't love them, then they're not going to stay. Can I tell you that here's one thing that God told me. He said, in, in order for you to receive those people, you have got to have a people that are ready to accept them. You've got to have a people who are ready and willing and able to keep them. God is not going to send uh, 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 dirty people. He is not going to send broken people. He is not going to send a, 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 a dying and, and lost world into a church that isn't ready to, to minister to them, that isn't ready to love on them. They're not, they're not going to stay because they're not going to feel that kind of thing. We have got to love on one another. Thirdly, we pray for one another. This is important. This is very important. Why is it so important that we pray for one another? Listen, as a pastor of this church, if I never, if, if you guys never prayed for me, then, then I, I would, I, trust me, I would know. I, I know, I, I can tell you who prays for me and, and who maybe don't. Because I feel that when we come into the, into the church house together. Sister Norma, I know you pray for me because when I see you and, and you smile at me and things like that, you know, and, and it's that kindred spirit that we feel because of the fellowship and the prayers. But it is important that we pray for one another. Why? Because if we don't pray for one another, then, then things are just going to go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Prayer is key in the fellowship of the body. You know, we, we could bring people with broken tears and brokenness up here and, and just let them come down to the altar and just stand back and watch them. But how many of you, how many of you have been broken, come down to an altar of grace, and really didn't feel anything from the Lord until someone made contact with you? The Bible says where two or three 
are gathered or if any two things are are are, are touching then that that's what we need we need prayer we've got to remember uh, and and I, i'm probably going to uh, say that well just never mind i'm going to say this lisa smithy she's not here this morning and i love her dearly our labor of love minister but many of you don't know that she gets up nearly every day at three or four o'clock in the morning to pray for this church three o'clock in the morning before she even goes to work she's praying she's she's always telling us that she's doing this she's a prayer warrior she prays you know we should all not that not that i'm saying everybody in this building should get up at three o'clock in the morning because i understand that's a little bit hard to do but we should all take time out of our day, some point in time of our day to pray for one another. I need your prayers. You need my prayers. You need each other's prayers. When situations happen in our families, you need each other to pray. Listen, and don't hesitate to call people in the church. You don't just have to call me, but many of you have uh, friends and family that are in the church that, that will come and that will pray with you. Believe me, if you call me, I'm going to come. If, if, it's, if it's at all physical possible, I will come and pray with you. You know, but we have got to learn how to pray for each other. It's not just the pastor's responsibility or the administrative pastor's responsibility or the, or the youth pastor's responsibility or the children's pastor's responsibility. But we must pray for one another. And, and let me just say this. It doesn't matter if that person that you're praying for, you like them or not. You still need to pray for them. If they are in the, ch- if they are in the church, you, you, you have got to love them. That's what the Bible says. And you, you need to pray for them. Hallelujah. What's, what uh, scripture do I have for right there? We need to pray for one another. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, we, we've got to learn how to pray for each other. The, the Bible says that when you are sick and afflicted, to bring the sick among uh, uh, to the elders, and they shall be healed. Prayer is important in the church. We have got to pray for one another. Listen, you don't know what that person sitting next to you is going through. But just because you don't know doesn't mean that you can't pray because God knows what's going on. And when you begin to pray, I guarantee you, God, he doesn't necessarily have to reveal to you what's going on in their lives, but he can give you the, the, the uh, sympathy and the, and, and the sensitivity to pray for for specific needs for them we've got to pray for one another number four this one's very important all these are very important but this one's this one's extremely important how many of you ever had uh, have been carrying burdens around just carrying listen we've got to carry each other's burdens we've we've got to not just pray not just love, but we must do, which means we, we must bear burdens. Listen, when we, we've got, when we got families in need, we must do. When we've got somebody who needs food, we must give them food. When we've got somebody who needs clothes, we must give them clothes. When we have somebody who needs a financial blessing, we must give them a financial blessing. When we have somebody in the church who, 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 is, who, who is destitute and, and needs something, we have, got, we have got to gather together. We have got to rise up together as a community of believers, as the body of Christ, and find a way to make sure that those, those, those burdens are, are bared. Uh, let's go to that next scripture, Sister Chrissy. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap amen 
So what are you sowing today? What are you doing? Are, are we bearing each other's burdens? Listen, things happen in life that, that, some, that I mean, that God is not always uh, someone who just is standing up on an anthill doing things for you, uh, uh, to you. Life happens. Situations happen. Things happen in our life. But that's when the church rises up. We saw that this week. The church rose up and, and, and helped the family that was in need. And it was, it, it was amazing to watch the hand of God literally unfold in, in, in just a few short days. For, and believe me, believe me I, just, I feel that it was just a, a, nothing short of a miracle in my, in my own perception. Nothing short of a miracle. Definitely the mighty hand of God, but we've got to bear one another's burdens, and that's what we did is we bared those burdens. We took time out of our own personal time to help. That's what the Bible says that we must do. We have to do. We can't just sit back idly by and just watch, them, watch people go under. That's not what kingdom building is. Kingdom building is taking on their burdens, taking on their, the things that, that, that tear them down. And then lastly, fifthly, and Christian, would you come? We must live together in unity. Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is for men to dwell together in unity. Like the oil running down on Aaron's beard. Unity is so key in the church. If we're not united then you might as well forget it. If we haven't come with the same common goals, if we haven't come with the same common purpose today, and if we don't go out into this lost and dying world with the same purpose and the same goal, we might as well give up. It's not worth it. Everything that we do would be done in vain because it's not done in unity. Jesus tells the parable of the, the lost sheep. And the shepherd left the 99 to go find the one. Because he wanted to keep unity in his flock. You ever watch a flock? On Nat Geo channel or just a YouTube video, watch a flock of sheep, how they do? They're usually not scattered. They're usually all going along in the same direction, the same way that the shepherd is showing them. That's That's unity. That's what we should be doing as the body of Christ, is being in unity. Going in the same direction, the same mode. Every church, the pastor should have, his, have, have the, the uh, vision of the church, and everybody should fall into line right behind him. That way we can perform what God has said. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Listen, I've given you a lot of scripture today to study. And I, I'm, I'm going to post a challenge to the church here in a few minutes. Before I do that, I just want to say that fellowship is key. I can't stress that enough that fellowship is key. There's some things that are going to 
going to be changing here in the near future when it comes to fellowship in the church? We're going to be having more fellowship, trying to congregate one, one another together as much as possible. How many of you ever have ever read the book called The Five Love Languages? Some of you have. Well, one of the, one of the five love languages is quality time. And that's my love language. So that's probably why I, I like talking about fellowship so much is because I love spending quality time with people, not just my wife, not just my kids, but with, with anybody and everybody that I can. I want this church to be the most fellowshipping church ever. And I, I, I want us just to be able to, to be, be as close knitly as we can and our unity to be so great as we can. So this is this is kind of this is what I want to do this morning. If I can get everybody just to come up front for just a minute, we're going to sing.